Yes, Lord. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Father, we are grateful. You are wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God. You are all of that and more, Lord. And we thank you. We come and worship you. We come and praise your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus says, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Do you love me? Seems to be an important question for our Lord. Do you love me? All through the Word of God, in different forms, that question keeps coming up. Do you love me? In my life, lately, the last number of weeks, that question has been ringing in my heart. Do you love me? I ask you again, brothers and sisters, do you love God? Jesus said, you are to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Jesus said that God is to be absolutely first in our lives. No competition. Jesus meant, when he said, love God with all, he meant... That God is to be number one in our lives, and there's not even a close second. Do you love God? I mean, do you love God like that? With all. In the scene that I just read for you in John chapter 21... Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? Three times Peter said, yes, I love you. And each time Peter answered, Jesus responded, feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. What Jesus was saying to Peter and to us today was that if you truly love me, act like it. 
If you truly love me, do something about it. Respond to my love to you if you truly love me. See, actions speak louder than words. Don't just say, yes, I love God. Live, yes, I love God. Words mean something, absolutely, but actions prove words. Do you love God? Don't just say yes. Live yes. By following kingdom principles on a daily basis. I mean, why not? We love Him, don't we? My life should say, Yes, Father, I love you. I mean, not... By words only, but by my chosen lifestyle. You shouldn't have to hang around me too long before you realize this guy loves God. I shouldn't even have to say it. I shouldn't be able to hang around you very long without knowing beyond the shadow of a doubt you love God. Your attitudes, your actions... All that other stuff, the way you handle yourself around others, the way you treat each other. I should have no doubt that you love God. Behind closed doors, it should be the same. What you do behind closed doors should say, I love God. Somebody say, Amen. Did you know that God can see past closed doors? Did you know that? You see, my life should say, I choose you. I love you, God. And you should be able to tell. All that I am and all that I have, I lay at your feet. What were you doing December 31st, 1999? Remember? Were you filling your bathtub just in case things didn't go well and Y2K? I don't know. What were you doing December 31st, 1999? You know what I was doing? I made big points with my three ladies on that day. I made big points. I'd saved up my money. And I bought us tickets to the Bolshoi Theater. Come on now, that's big stuff. Go like, wow, or ooh, or something. The Bolshoi Theater, it's a tradition in Russia that on New Year's Eve, they always do the Nutcracker. It's a ballet. Now, I didn't fancy myself as a ballet kind of guy. I've got to be honest. First time I went to a ballet, wasn't real excited about it. But you know what? It was awesome. I mean, those people are, those are athletes. Those people are incredible. I can do away with the tights, but other than that, they are, they are incredible. So I bought these tickets. And on New Year's Eve, 1999, I took my three ladies to the Bolshoi Theater. It was great. You know what? They still talk about it. One point for dad. They still talk about that night. It was awesome. Well, after the the performance was over, 
We walked across the wide street there near Red Square, walked on to Red Square, and spent the night ringing in the new year right in the middle of Red Square. Is that cool or what? With thousands of very close friends that night. They had a big screen on each end of of Red Square, a great big screen, because that's the day Boris Yeltsin resigned as president. And he appointed some unknown mid-level bureaucrat named Vladimir Putin. Who? Who? So all that was going on when I was ringing in 2000. You remember where you were? I'll never forget that. You talk about making a memory, we did. Then you come to 2011, this year. Nothing special about 2011, right? I mean, it's just another year. We get to the end of this year, guess what happens? 2012 starts, and 2011 is a memory. That's it. But you see, my prayer this year for us is that 2011 will be the year that we never forget spiritually. My prayer is that we will have a spiritual breakthrough this year. My prayer is that 2011 will be the year that we've had a spiritual breakthrough in the family of God called Grace Point. It is my prayer that this year our children will say, I was there, I'll never forget it. You see, brothers and sisters, I believe that this is our year. The best year spiritually we've ever had. Why not? Somebody said to me this week, Pastor Chuck, this year, what is this year? What about today? I want my best, I want the best year spiritually to start today. I'm all over that. Have at it, brothers and sisters. Jump in the deep end today. Let's do it today. Come, Holy Spirit, now, today. It's okay if I don't even finish this sermon. Come. Somebody say amen. In order for that to happen, I mean for this to be an awesome year spiritually, the best year we've ever had, the year of transformation. In order for that to happen, listen now, listen, this is important. You are going to have to change some things. I mean, I'm dead serious about that. You know, we've been playing around in the shallow end of the pool far too long. And it's good enough. Not good enough anymore. Somebody say amen. You see, brothers and sisters, we don't have much time left. What do you mean by that, Pastor Chuck? Have you noticed what's going on in our world today? Have you noticed at all what's happening in the Middle East? Anybody? We don't have much time left. Are you ready? Let me just ask you, are you prepared for the second coming of Christ? Are you prepared for what's to come? Gas prices? (laughs) You see, brothers and sisters, we're not going to make it spiritually unless we get serious. And this is our year. No more playing around. No more goofing around. No more lip service to God. No more coming on Sunday and that's it. No, no, no. It's all in now. Do you have any idea at all what God could do just 
put the first service aside, just what God can do with this many people who say, I'm all in. This many people. Do you have any idea what your school would look like? Any idea? What are we waiting for? You see, it'll happen this year, this best year spiritually that we've ever had, when we all repent. It'll happen when we are obedient. It'll happen when we fully trust God. Hey, how about it? Are you in? We must be obedient in every area of our lives. Do you love God like that? See, there's one area. There's one area that's touchy. Don't bother me. It's the area where we say, don't bother me there. It's this area of our money. You see, personally, well, let me just go out on a limb here. Personally, I don't care if you give anymore. It doesn't mean anything to me personally. I mean, what pastor, you get paid, but yeah, I could go, I could find another job. Don't worry about me, okay? Don't worry about me. But you see, it matters to God. Because what you do with your money proves where your heart is. And that's God wants your heart. He doesn't care about your money. He wants your heart. Because he knows when he has your heart, everything else will follow. And we're talking about this last Sunday and this Sunday because it's crucial. What you do with your money is not just important. It is central to your spiritual life. It's a heart issue. As a pastor in Texas, there was this young man. Wonderful young man. His wife kind of went off the deep end and had an affair and left him and all of this. And it was, it was not pretty. And I'm a new pastor. Man. I went behind the ears. I didn't know what to do. I just tried to be his friend, prayed for him, and walked with him through that difficult time. This young man was a faithful tither. And in my little church, here's what they did. I mean, there was only, what, 30, 40 families? You know, you get this little letter if you give. You get this giving letter of what you're giving this year. What they did is they had two signatures on that, the, the pastors and the treasurer. So whether I wanted to or not, saw what everybody gave. I had signed it. And I saw, started seeing a pattern that he wasn't being faithful like he had been. So I took him out to lunch. And I said, brother... How you doing spiritually? Fine, Pastor Chuck. Why, what, what do you ask? Well, I noticed you're not, you're not tithing anymore. You know what he did? He got real mad at me for caring just about money. So let me just tell you something. I don't care if you give or not, personally. What I care about is who has your heart. That's what I care about. And I know this. I know this. That if God is in control of every area of your life, including your money, now we're talking. God does not bless disobedience. And His Word clearly tells us that everything belongs to God. What do I do, Pastor Chuck? You adjust your life. What's well, none of your business? I don't so. Adjust your life. 
If you can't live on 100% of your income, change your priorities. Change some things. You should, I mean, I, this is not Bible. This is Chuck, Pastor Chuck. Personally, I don't think a follower of Christ should live on more than 80% of their income. You give 10 to God and you put 10 away for a rainy day. And then we start from there. That, so what, what you should do is what you should do. If I may, you should go home, get together with your family, find out what it costs to be you. This is what it costs to be you. See, okay, that's a little too much. All right, and so how can we change and get to this level right here? Because this is a level where it pleases God and we can be faithful. That's what you do. You know, there's some decisions that we all make that make it more difficult to give. Isn't that right? There's some decisions I've made. I've got three women in higher education. Ouch! I mean, it's tight. You know, bro, you know brothers and sisters, listen. The only reason I'm talking about this is because it is a huge issue in a lot of people's lives. Do you love God with all or not? See, remember, God chooses to do his kingdom work through you and through me. That's how he chooses to do it. I said last week that there's enough resources that come through these doors to do everything we've ever dreamed about doing and more. There's enough resources in this body of Christ that no one in this body who ever has a need, it should, it, there should never be a person that has a need go unmet. But yet there is some because we run out every now and then. And I say shame on us, the body of Christ. See, I want to be part of a church where everybody's faithful, don't you? Eh, a couple do. Because when that happens, listen, listen, when that happens, the sky is the limit spiritually. I'm trying to ask God, would you come? God, would you come in your own sweet, special way? And somehow that happens when God's people are obedient. I just long for the presence of the Lord. <laughs> I long for an outpouring of the Spirit. This is a picture of a Christian that loves God with all their heart. My hands are wide open. This is a picture of someone who claims to be a child of God, yet isn't too serious about it. This is a picture of obedience and trust. This is a picture of disobedience and little or no, no trust. If you'll remember last week, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 21, Jesus said, Store up, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, Jesus says, there your heart will be also. We talked about last week a little book called The Treasure Principle. 
by Randy Alcorn. Now, my goal was to give every family one of those books today. There was a run on them in the first service. Now, there's still some left. If, you, if, there, if they, we run out, write your name down. We'll get you a copy. My goal is every family has one book. This is an awesome, there's awesome biblical principles in this little book, The Treasure Principle. Do you remember what The Treasure Principle is from last week? You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. Now, I had a young man tell me this morning that he had an experience this week. He said, you know, in Indiana, you move to the side of the road, you know, when a funeral procession goes by. And he said, we did that. And there comes a funeral procession. And in the middle of it, there was a a U-Haul trailer. I mean, good grief. I'm going to have to research this. I thought that you can't take it with you. I'm going to have to do some more research, but until I do, we're going with this premise. You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. Last Sunday, we talked about four of the six key principles, principle, treasure principle keys that uh, are put forth in this book. And the first one is this. Just real quickly, the first four are God owns everything. I'm the money manager. The second one was, my heart always goes where I put God's money. Third is, heaven, not earth, is my home. The fourth is, I should live not for the dot, but for the line. You'll remember I stretched a a rope across the front of the church last week, and that rope represented eternity. As far as you can see that way, and as far as you can see eternity, doesn't have a beginning, doesn't have an end. It is just forever. And anywhere on that line representing eternity is a dot. You put your dot anywhere, and that's your, that's the, that represents your life human, here on earth in the context of eternity. God's people live with eternity in mind, not with just the dot in mind. This morning, we're going to talk about briefly the fifth and sixth treasure key principles. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Also, treasure principle key number five, giving is the only antidote to materialism. Giving is the only antidote to materialism. Did you know that materialism is powerful? It's seductive. Did you know that that materialism is empty and ugly and strong? Did you know that materialism can put a grip on you? I saw it happen to a whole culture. Over in Russia, when we got there, there, weren't, there wasn't much around, and stuff started flooding in, and it was intoxicating to those folks. It was ugly. Materialism is one of the worst tools, one of the most effective, destructive tools in the bag of our enemy. Materialism is something that Satan uses as his biggest lie, most effective distraction, materialism. What he does is he takes stuff and he holds it under our noses, these things that are available all around our society. He holds them under our noses and he says, you need this. You have to have this. Your life will be fulfilled with this. If you get this, you will be happy. And nothing could be further from the truth. Oh, it's half true. Sure it is. It's half true. That's what makes Satan so effective. Sure, it will fulfill you for a moment, but not for a lifetime. You're talking about the dot. We're talking about eternity. Landfills are full 
of stuff we thought would make us happy. Materialism sucks us in. Are you sucked in? Are you, have you fallen for the lie of Satan? Here's what you do. You get on your knees and you pray, Lord, forgive me. Then you, go to, then you go to Ephesians chapter 6 and you pray on the armor of God. And then you do, after 1 and 2, then you do a family meeting. You get those kids together and you say, brothers, kids, brothers and sisters, young brothers and sisters, we're going to change some things. God is leading us to change as a family. Not going to be easy, but we want to live as fully committed to Christ as we can by His grace. And you need to lead your family into a new paradigm. A new paradigm of obeying and following God with all your heart. When you have that meeting with your children, I guarantee you they will never forget it. And when they get older, they will rise up and call you blessed. They'll never forget it. We're taking taking hold of this thing and we're not going back. We're going forward with God anticipate, brothers and sisters, what God is going to do in you and for you by His grace and to His glory. We are most like God when we give out of a loving heart. Materialism saps all of that. Giving is the only antidote to materialism. I don't know how we did it. I honestly don't. Maybe it was by example. But my daughters are faithful givers. They're young. They're young. They've got a lot of needs. My daughter at Olivet, she has this little job at Olivet on campus there. And she, um, you know, some years ago, she called and she said, you know, Dad, it's really hard for me to give. I mean, you know, I don't have checks and don't have cash. Well, how do I give? So that motivated me to set up new ways for those young people to participate in the kingdom. So in your bulletin today, there's this insert that says there's three electronic ways to give. You know what she does? She gets paid, her little paycheck. She gets on our website, gets out her debit card, and gives her tithe. That's what she does. I don't do that. I like tithe envelopes. But you see, I don't know how it happened necessarily, but my daughters are faithful givers. And I say, praise God. The best thing you can do for your children is teach them to be faithful the best thing you can do. Treasure principle number six. God prospers me not to raise my standard of living, but to raise my standard of giving. Hello, are you serious? Absolutely. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. By the way, are we having fun yet? All right, good, good, good. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 10 says this. Now he, God, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. And you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Why would I be made rich? Or why would I be blessed? So that you can give more. That isn't my idea. That's what God says right here. See, remember, God chooses to do His work through you and me. That's how He chooses to get it done. Treasure principle. You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. Listen to what Martin Luther said. Martin Luther said, I have held many things in my hands, 
and I have lost them all. But whatever I have placed in God's hands, that I still possess. A.W. Tozer said it this way, Whatever is given to Christ is immediately touched by immortality. You could say it this way, Because you give, eternity is different for you and for those around you. It's not easy. You can't figure it out with a calculator. It doesn't always add up, but God is faithful. When we lived in Russia, every other year we'd come home on furlough. We'd be gone for three months, three or four months. And the people there got used to that. And they knew we'd be gone on furlough or home assignment for three or four months. So leading up to the time when we were to leave, people would come up to me. Different people would come up to me. And they would say, some of them with tears running down their cheeks, say, when you go home and talk to all those churches and tell them what's going on over here, would you tell them thank you? Would you say thank you for us? You see, because they provided a way for missionaries to come and churches to be built, I am in the kingdom today. They were emotional about it. So I said, yes, I will tell them. I will give them the message. And brothers and sisters, still today, I want to say, after all these years, thank you. Thank you for what you have done through your faithful sacrificial giving. God always takes our faithfulness in whatever way it is given. He takes our faithfulness, increases it as only He can, and does far more than we could ever ask or imagine. See, the deal is, when God's plans are followed by God's people, the whole world is changed. My responsibility as an individual follower of Christ is to say, God, I and what I have is all yours. Listen to the words of this song. Thank you. As this song is sung, would you just thank God for what he's done through you and can do? And as the song is being sung, those that are going to help us with communion, if you could just get ready, we're going to do that at the end of our service and commit ourselves again to the Father. Listen to these words.